Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. It's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And as you probably know, we broadcast from Old Town Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's either heaven or hell. And right now it's a little chilly, but it's better than being too hot. And uh, joining us today is Kim. She's Back in town, back in the room here with us. I am happy to be here. And we have a great friend of hers on our guest as our friend guest of ours. today. Her name is Nomi Prince. She wrote the book Collusion. If you guys want to find out what's really going on, it's her book Collusion. I read the book. I was sitting in Alaska for ten days. I couldn't put your I couldn't put your book down, Nomi. It was a fascinating <laughs> book. But it's how the how the central bank system, which is the Fed, the EC. European Central Bank, the BLG is the Bank of Japan and the PB, the People's Bank of China, how they operate. So it's a very well-written, well-documented book. The great thing about it, Nomi, it's easy to read and understand, but it's so big picture, it's kind of hard to imagine <laughs> that a bunch of criminals like the Fed can be allowed to operate and destroy our economic system. And I do call the Fed a criminal yeah. organization because if you look at what they've done, they've basically backed—you know—they've basically backed the investment banks of the world. And now America's about to go broke. The world's going broke because of this collusion. But I think right. what you, what you were writing about just fascinated me is how after the Fed started QEing, which is quantitative easing, another word for it is counterfeiting money out of thin air. And then the other central bank says, hey, United States is screwing us too because we have creditor nations, which are Japan, China, and Singapore. They lend us money and we're a debtor nation. America's now the biggest debtor nation in the world. So the debtor nation, the U.S., is screwing the creditor nation, which is Asia. And that's really what's going on. So your book, Collusion, is a must read for anybody who really wants to know what's going on. Any comments on that, and, Tommy? And Nomi, just a little bit of your background because you know Wall Street because you worked in Wall Street and you were in the midst of, the, of all of it. So can you give us a, just a little bit of your background on how you became such the expert? Yeah, sure. So, so actually, some of the first, um, let's just talk about what a central bank is, because that was kind of key to my background on, on Wall Street. And when I worked throughout the city of London and, and, and traveled to these central banks around the world, you know, including China and the Philippines and Thailand and Malaysia, I mean, literally almost all of them um, from the early 90s through, through today. So from the standpoint of, um, of banking and, and who supplies the banks with their money, I mean, Robert, you mentioned that, you know, the Fed's kind of a criminal organization. It's like they, they are producing money as a central bank. It's sort of like the mother bank where like all the other sort of children banks can go to when they run out of money because of various risky activities they do. So like in, in, 
terms, um, and this does relate to my, my experience as a, as a young banker, um, in terms, like, if you think of it like a car, um, you know, where, like, a teenager goes out, you know, mom, dad, I want the car, I want the car, goes out, you know, like, runs the car into something on, like, a binge drinking night, you know, but, but the, the teenager's fine, the car's not, um, and then comes back <laughs> to the parents and is like, you know, hey, um, I kind of crashed the car, but, you know, I really want another car, okay? And the parents, which would never happen in real life, are like, yeah, sure, let's just get you another car. As opposed to, no, you cannot have another car. You are grounded. You're not leaving your room for, like, another year, right? But in banking, and I say this because it relates to my, my history as well, one of the first things I did with my first bonus check um, as a banker, I was living in London. Um, it was the first time I got any pile of money that was, you know, useful to spend on something I needed. Um, I went out and bought a car. And um, I went to the, the dealership and I was this like young girl from like America. I was in England. I wanted to buy a car and they looked at me and they're like, um, so are your parents going to sign for this? And I was like, no. They're like, is your, is your boyfriend, you know, your husband? Like, no, it's going to be me. <laughs> I mean, no wonder yeah. you love Kim so much because you have the same attitude. <laughs> <laughs> But really, so I, I had a long, I had a 15 year career on, on Wall Street. That was sort of um, in the in the beginning to middle of it when I was in London. And I, I ran a group of sort of um, quants or basically, you know, PhDs and analytical people, et cetera, um, to go around the world and sort of analyze a couple different things. What was happening in the world um, with respect um, to within countries, between countries, what was happening to their debt? what was happening to their stock markets, what was happening to their people. Um, although the people part, when I was on Wall Street, was less of a concern to Wall Street, Wall Street traders, you know, our senior executives who made great bonuses and sort of decided what bonuses went to other people throughout the years, then, um, then it should have been. And one of the reasons that I left Wall Street after 15 years, I, I reached um, the position of a managing director at Goldman Sachs, which is pretty coveted. I was uh, not only one of the few managing directors, I was one of the very few female managing directors in that position. Um, but I sensed that at that time, which was early 2000s, the, the chasm, the sort of gap between what Wall Street was doing for itself and to the world and how it benefited ordinary people or ordinary smaller and medium-sized businesses was just, just too wide. And the way in which they were sort of extracting money and security from individual citizens and small and medium businesses was just too much. And that was one of the reasons that ultimately I wound up quitting um, to become a journalist, to, to try to explain how this process all worked, and ultimately to, to predict what our financial crisis in 2008 was all about. And since then, to go around the world um, to explain and dig into um, and get information about what's happening today that could cause another crisis um, and how people can be affected and how they can protect themselves. So which countries, you know, which countries did you specifically go to? Because you, I mean, like I said, I was sitting in Alaska for 10 days freezing my butt off reading your book, I, I just couldn't put it down because you, you go so in depth on so many vital countries outside the U.S. Yeah, so I, I did a bit of a world tour and I um, started in Mexico. The reason for that was, um, and still is, that Mexico is, is a huge trading partner of, of the U.S. Um, and its central bank, um, the, the Fed of Mexico, um, which can create some money for Mexico, doesn't at all have the kind of power 
that the U.S. Fed has to create money for the U.S. and U.S. banks, big banks, and their partners throughout the world. Um, and then I went to Brazil, and then um, as, as sort of a major uh, trading partner uh, of the U.S. in Central and South America, a large economy, but, a, but a, an emerging economy, still a developing economy, and a great partner of China. Um, and then I went to China um, to talk to the People's Bank of China there and a lot of people internally um, in different organizations to, to see how um, money was working there. And then I went to Japan, and then I went throughout Europe and the U.K., so I did a kind of world tour where I, I picked the regions, the countries that um, both were most prominent in different parts of their um, like development and stages in the world, and the ones that also were most what I call pivotal, the ones that um, had to change the most in the sort of new reality of the Fed producing money and producing it at very low cost and how that affected other countries who didn't have the same abilities. That, that the Fed had to just like coin money out of nowhere. That's what collusion is about is, from what I understand from reading your book, is that different central banks then got together and said, we gotta almost protect ourselves from and against the US. That's right. I mean, didn't Japan join forces with China or something like that? Yeah, so one of the things, so interesting partnerships developed in the in the wake of the financial crisis. And, and that's why the order of what I analyzed was important because the Fed, was faced in the crisis of 2008 with trying to figure out how to, how to create out of nowhere, how to fabricate enough money to keep the whole entire international banking system afloat. Now the international banking system and economy was, was really hurt by all the nefarious things that the major wall street banks were doing, but the fed had to step in because the wall street banks didn't just operate in the U S they operated with Germany, with Deutsche bank. They operated with um, UBS, with the Swiss bank. They operated England. throughout the world and they were hurting. And the fed had to come in and be like, like the parents to the kids who crashed the car and be like, here, have a car, have a car, have a car, have a car, creating them out of nowhere. But it wasn't enough. And so what the Fed had to do was collude with the major central banks around the world. And, and that was in the G7. So that was the banks that represented Japan, the Bank of Japan, the banks that represented Europe, the European Central Bank, England, the Bank of England, and say, look, we, don't, we, we can't even, even though we can create money out of nowhere, to help these banks who screw themselves and our entire economy and the market, we still feel like we can't do it alone. We need your help. And that's where this collusion amongst the largest central banks in the world came in. The Fed said, look, you guys got to do what we're doing. You guys got to print money. You got you to electronically fabricate money. You got to buy debt in your own country so we can produce more of it, so we can keep the economies going and pretend it's all okay. And that collusion happened. Now, in the meantime, which was really interesting, the world shifted. So China and the People's Bank of China called the Fed out on this. They called the guy who was running the Fed at the time, Ben Bernanke, out, and they said, look, you can't just produce money out of nowhere because at some point someone's got to pay it back, right? You can't just continue to float countries and just give them money just because their banking systems aren't that good, aren't that regulated, aren't, aren't, aren't doing what they should be doing for their country, for their citizens. And the People's Bank of China started developing these relationships with Japan, interestingly enough, because Japan was caught in the middle of being a G7 friend of the U.S. Um, from a central banking standpoint as well, and trading with China. 
And China is saying, look, you can't just create money out of nowhere. And Japan's saying, well, but we have been even before the Fed started doing it. We just didn't know it could be done to such a large amount of money. We're talking trillions and trillions of dollars. And so China said, all right, you do what you need to do. Um, and it was interesting. I talked to a lot of people inside of Japan and China who are working together sort of underneath the public position that their governments had um, just, just to make sure things could run properly. And as ultimately it turned out, all of this money production, all of this collusion, all of this sort of back-channeling amongst all of these banks ultimately created a world, which we are dealing with now, where the money is too cheap, where there's too much debt, there's not enough investment because that debt's an overhang, and it affects real people. Because real people ultimately get no interest for their money because money's so cheap. They can't put money in a savings bank or a pension fund or in a good insurance policy because it doesn't pay enough. It doesn't pay enough to them to afford the lives they've built or they are building because it's all gone to the banking system. And it continues to do that. So that's why, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to read her book, Collusion. I mean, what I love about it, Nomi, you kept it simple enough for me to understand. And the more I understood it, the more it gave me the courage to say in my book, which, is, which I just launched called Who Stole My Pension, I called the Fed and the Treasury and Wall Street criminal operations because they claim to be for the people, but they're really ripping off the people. Think about this. Our school system is still teaching people to save money. Meanwhile, the Fed is printing trillions and the rest of the world is dropping interest rates to sub-zero. This has never happened right. in the history of the world. And our school system right. is still saying to kids, save money, work hard. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. So that's why if you guys really wanna know what's going on in the bigger picture, it's Nomi's book, Collusion. Nomi, congratulations on writing a very, very tough book, simple enough for a guy like me to understand. Well, and, and I like this interview a lot because what, what you're talking about, Robert, is most people have no idea, absolutely no idea what's going on. And, and this is keeping it very simple and explaining what's happening. And, and when we come back, I want to find out Nomi's, Nomi's crystal ball, what's happening, what's going to happen, where we are, and yes, what you can do, because it doesn't sound like um, anything's going to change anytime too soon. Or it's going to change dramatically quickly. In a very explosive way. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, Kim Kiyosaki, and our guest today is Nomi Prince. Her book is Collusion. She's a former uh, work, uh, managing director of Goldman Sachs, who also run the central banks. <laughs> but anyway, who's counting who's running the central banks here? But anyway, we'll come back with going more into what you can do. But most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, the question is, what are you going to do about Because the house of cards, in my opinion, is about to come down. Put it right back. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash dellemc. Don't be like Charlie. 
Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on uh, iTunes, Android, and YouTube. And then you can please leave us a review from wherever you listen. We archive every one of our programs at richdadradio.com. We archive them because we're an education company. We make no recommendations of what you should buy or sell. And we archive that stuff because if you listen to this program again, you'll pick up twice as much as you're listening to it right now. Also, another reason we archive it at richdadradio.com, you can share with friends, family, and business associates. And when you discuss it with friends, family, and business associates, your intelligence will quadruple. And our guest today is Nomi Prince, a friend, a friend of Kim, another rich woman. And they're talking about financial education for everybody. And Momi's latest book is Collusion. Like I said, I was sitting in Alaska, freezing my butt off, reading Collusion. I couldn't put it down because it's so in-depth, yet written simply enough for a person like me to understand. And what I like, too, is, you know, just by listening to this show, the one thing you can take away and guarantee is that the government and the Fed and the central banks are not looking out for your best interests. Matter of fact, they're really? doing everything against you. So if you think somebody else is going to come and save you and be the white knight or whatever, um, no, that's not possible. So this is, it's all about what you can do, what you can do, not what somebody else can do for you, what you can do. Right. No, mate, does it make a difference if, uh, Elizabeth Warren or Sanders or Trump wins? Does it make any difference on the central banks at all? Uh, no, because I mean, here's the thing. Um, and, and as you guys were saying, you know, the why and, and why education and, and why people listening to, you know, this show and, and other forms of individual individualized education is so important is because ultimately what's happening in the White House or in Congress or who's leaning where, or, or who's saying what um, on the political trail, doesn't at all impact how central banks, particularly the larger, most powerful ones like the Federal Reserve, which is the most powerful central bank producer of money in the world for its own banking system, behaves. It, you know, when, when President Obama was in the White House, when President Trump's in the White House, on average rates, the cost of money, has been about the same, gone up a little, gone down a little on average, about the same. When we look at the Fed basically dumping this money into the banking system. So what does that mean? How does that impact a real person? But let's think of it this way. Let's go back to what I was talking about before with the car example. Person crashes car, person goes to parents, parents have two options. One is buy them a new car, 
or 10 new cars or 20 new cars. Keep, <laughs> keep it going. You know, don't teach them how to drive or like, you know, put them in their room and like make them think about what they've done. Um, or they don't. And in the situation with, with a central bank, um, which is a central place where other private banks can get money from cheaply, they don't have any requirement or any limitation put on them by any government, no matter who's running it. So the same exact stuff happens under a Republican government, a Democratic government. It, it doesn't matter. They're, they're acting on behalf of their citizen and their citizen is the private banking system. And, and that's what they do. So, um, you know, when you're saying before about how, you know, you know Kim, these, these banks don't help the real person, you have to help yourself. Um, that, that's really, really true. Cause think about it. People don't have the ability to borrow money at 0%, right? They just don't. However, people are hurt by the fact that banks can borrow money at 0%. They can turn around and charge people a lot for loans, for credit cards, for student loans, for car loans, for whatever. So they get to make money in that process. And they also get to not pay people to save, which is why savings is not a way for people to grow their wealth. Saving money when you are not getting any percentage return on it, when banks are paying you close to zero for that savings for the use of your money, does not help you grow wealth. You, know, you don't have to be like a math person to get this. If you give somebody your money and you're like, hey, what are you gonna give me back? And they say, well, basically less than you gave me because not only am I not paying you interest on it, but I'm also gonna charge you a fee for the luxury of me using it. Like no one would do that, but that's what we do. And we're gonna print even more of it. We could just keep printing it and then charge you money to keep it in our banks. That is right. That's a criminal operation. That is, that is absolutely right. So that's why, you know, if guys read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, it's Rich Dad's lesson number one is rich don't work for money, savers are losers, and your house is not an asset. I mean, it's because you're just giving money to the banks. But even the, and even the save money, it just is like, it's this mantra that people just dish out and they're not even paying attention to what's going on because they think that worked for mom and dad and that worked for grandma and grandpa, so it's gonna work for me. So let's go into some solutions really quickly. And I'll just give you the one that I, I don't say do it, but right now I've been telling everybody to buy silver because silver is 72% off its all time high. Mm -hmm. It's a bargain mm -hmm. today. Yet mommy and daddy is still saying saving money and there's quantitative easing they're printing. They're bailing out the biggest banks in the world through the repo market. And you're still saying to you, and they're still printing money, the zero interest rate policies, everybody's they're charging anybody to keep going to the bank and mommy and daddy still say save money. What's wrong with that yeah. picture, Norma? Well, 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 that's something when mom and dad or, or grandparents talked about saving money, money was getting, you know, eight, 9%. 14%. Interest. Yeah. 15%. So yeah. 14, right. Yeah. So depending on the year. So, so it kind of made sense. You could, you could save money and you could get a decent return on it. But if you're getting zero and paying for the privilege and they're printing it, not, that's not changing. Let's, let's go into this thing called MMT, Marxist money theory, mm -hmm. which is being promoted in America today. <laughs> what, it, what does MMT stand for, Nomi? <laughs> we got Robert's <laughs> um, definition. It, it does stand for <laughs> modern monetary theory, but it's, it's Marxist, not modern. So here, here, here's the thing about MMT. <laughs> here, here's the thing about MMT. Actually, Marx wanted to be like, Marx, wanted people to actually make money off of their work. Whereas actually MMT is not that. What MMT is saying um, 
is, is it's really jumping on the, the bandwagon of what central banks have been doing these, these past 12 years, which is printing money, reducing um, its cost so that people, again, don't make money on savings, can't get their pensions paying for them that they've put in for all these years because their pensions aren't growing very fast because the interest on the pensions is, is down because money's too cheap because the Fed's fabricating all this money and the Treasury Department's creating all this debt because of it, and they're all fine, like just pushing this forward. MMT... Modern monetary theory is is saying that thing the Fed's now been doing for the banks, printing money, you know, fabricating electronic money, um, keeping rates low, buying debt so that the Treasury Department can create more of it, and central banks around the world are, are colluding and doing the same thing. Monetary modern monetary theory says, all right, well let's do that same exact thing, the same thing that's keeping rates so low. Let's do that more. Okay, but let's do it for the people. Correct. And so it sounds, it sounds good on the surface. If you don't understand economics or or math, it it, it sounds good because it's like okay, well, anyone can get behind the concept of all right. Well, the Fed's going to be creating money anyway. How about it goes to us instead of the bank, so at Correct. least we can get a piece of it. Everybody, listen to Nomi because she's calling it exactly as it is. Everybody's saying, well, you give all the money to the bankers, just MMT is just give it to us. That's what they're saying. Isn't That's it? what it's saying. And, and isn't that what Ben Bernanke was calling helicopter money? That's going to drop money on all of us. <laughs> well, right. And, and Mario Draghi, who was the head of the European central bank, who's now gone off to do other like speaking gigs or whatever, um, <laughs> said as well when he was called super Mario. Yeah. Wait, wait, all those guys were Goldman guys. Um, uh, Nomi, they're all worked for Goldman. You notice that? Well, they either do or they get paid to speak at Goldman or they're, yeah, I mean, Bill Dudley, who was the former New York Fed head. I worked, you know, I worked with the guy. I mean, yeah, anyway, so the, the point is. This. Carney of the Bank of England is a Goldman guy also, you know, and so was that Paulson, the head of That's our treasury. Correct. So was the Bank of Italy. Yeah, it goes on and on. So what's wrong with, what's, company, so what's wrong with printing more money and giving it all to the people? What's wrong with that theory? So here's the exact problem. That act, that theory forgets that, well, doing that creates zero interest rate money. It perpetuates zero interest rate money. It perpetuates the idea that we can kind of create money out of nowhere and somehow out of that produce returns for people, which, which doesn't actually make any sense. All it's doing is doubling down on the same strategy that has kept rates so low on savings for pension funds, on, on you know, more secure securities um, for this whole time. And it's basically saying, all right, well, let's keep doing that. And it's like, well, but, but, but why would you get a different outcome? It does, it, it like, let's put it this way, it doesn't matter if it's your son or your daughter who crashes the car. If the parents are gonna keep on supplying cars without any sort of a step back to say, all right, well, maybe you should drive better, maybe you shouldn't drive, maybe you should, I don't Stop know, drinking. take Ubers, whatever. That, that, you know, it, it, you can't just do the same strategy and expect a different result. Now, I am all for using debt to create good returns on investment, on business investment, on assets, on things that people can do if they want to have debt. And I know you guys talk about this, that it is good debt, that it's deployed in a way that allows people to grow um, financially. But, but if it's just done for the sake of creating it, then all, all that creation of debt does without a plan, with, without any strategy, without any asset building exercises is just basically 
decrease the value of interest rates and the value of money. And that does not help the average person. It does not help people grow the returns on their pension funds or their annuities or their life insurance annuities or, or whatever. It doesn't actually help because it doesn't have a purpose. So let me, let me ask you this, Naomi, given your background and all this is that how much time have we got left? I mean, how long can we keep QE, which is basically counterfeiting money, and how long can we keep interest rates below zero? It's like taking a basketball and pushing it underwater and hoping <laughs> volatility doesn't come back. See, the question is this. What can people do while it's happening and, and how long will it go? I, I think it can go on a very long time. It already has gone on, going on into its 12th year. And the reason for that is because there is no like outside power that's higher than that of the major central banks that's gonna come in and say, you know what, maybe you should just stop electronically fabricating money um, so that money can, can have some value because ultimately there are too many players, hedge funds, banks, um, you know, money managers and stuff who are working in the markets who are quite fine getting cheap money, investing it in the stock market, and I sometimes do that as well. Um, but people who, who are more tactical about it um, and, and creating great returns of it, so, so they're not gonna want that to stop. And the Fed's not gonna want it to stop because it doesn't want to upset them, um, i.e. the big banks and their hedge fund clients and, and, and all of that. So what can a regular person do? What they can do is the exact same thing that these institutions are doing, which is with their money, find appropriate ways to invest it outside of that system, i.e. outside of a savings account or, you know, a government bond account because they're not returning anything um, and, and, and use it in a way in their lives where they can actually see that asset grow. So whether that is, um, you know, so a real estate producing asset, whether that is, um, and I like the idea of silver actually, because I personally give silver coins to my um, niece and nephews as, as presents. Um, very smart, very so smart. I, I actually have, yeah, it's, it's something isn't cheap. It's pretty, you know, they go, they have a little space for it and they have a little space for it. Um, and, and, and they're inexpensive now compared to where they can go. I think gold and silver increase as the value of money decreases. 72% below all time high. I mean, it's, it's the cheapest so-called asset on the markets today. I mean, better than gold, in my opinion, silver is more volatile than gold, but I like, but, but it's it. also I like so the price. It's also so interesting that people are so afraid to buy silver or gold because they're still valuing cash as something of value whereby if they put it into silver or gold chances are down the road it's going to be worth a lot more than your dollar bill or your yen or your peso, peso or your yuan well so, uh, you see i think cash is, is a holding pattern so if you have cash set aside understand that cash in and of itself isn't making you money what cash is doing um in the interim between being used for a better purpose is it's allowing you to, to assess where you can invest it yes. in order to get an appropriate return. So it's it, having cash is okay. Relying on cash and saving cash without the idea. And this is what people listening should be always thinking without the idea of where to put it, where's the next place I can put it or what we call in finance, diversify it, you know, put it in multiple places. So if one's not working for you or it's not increasing your, your wealth fast enough, you know, you have a bunch of places you can draw from, whether that's hard assets and yes, silver is much easier, much more affordable for regular people than gold. I, I personally have more silver than gold. It's not like all of my portfolio, but, but both of those two things are a portion. Silver is much higher. It's just 
less expensive. There's yes, it's more volatile, as you said, Robert, but it also has potentially greater upside. Right. Um, you know, any sort of a real estate investment where you're not throwing out money that you cannot afford in order to um, retain that piece of real estate, where you know, and I, I, I you know, you, you are the experts on this, but a real estate piece of property, whether it's your own home or your second home or whatever, should always yield you more if you sell it or if you rent it um, than what you're paying for it. Right. right? right, so that right. Hey, no, no, we're running out of time, but the most important thing is I got to buy your book with the cash. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding. And People but, should buy collusion. An education and that is key. Right. Invest in your education. Otherwise, Wall Street will educate you and they're going to tell you one thing. Diversify and give your money to us and put it with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. And that's why they're going to lose because as you know, and I know the stock market is an all time high. And so is the bond market. We have never been in this position before with negative, with interest rates going below zero. So if you just keep right. holding stocks and you keep holding bonds, the tide is about to turn. And if the credit markets blow up, which I think they will, that means the bond market blows up when the bond market blows up. You look at you know companies like General Electric. They used to be triple A. Now they're triple B. Right. Pre junk. Right. Why would you invest in in companies that are pre junk? Their credit is so shot right now. So that's so that's why right. you know your book Collusion is a very important book for all readers because you, you got you were at the heart of the whole thing, which is our central banking system. So Nomi, thank you right. very much for your time. Thank you, Nomi. This is fantastic. And you know what, what Robert and I do is we've done this all the time is we get a little education. We go study about one investment. And then the most important part is once you get a little bit of education, put a little money down. That's why silver, $17 something today. Um, put a little money down and then your interest is going to go up incredibly because you've parted with a little bit of cash. Your, your mental interest, not right. your financial interest. Exactly. Exactly. So get the education, right. then put a little money down and get in the game. So Nomi, thanks for being such right. a fantastic banker. Thank you, you Nomi. Did work for Goldman Sachs. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're the best. Thanks, Nomi. We'll Thank be you. talking. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. Good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes, Android, and YouTube, on your favorite channel. And then you can please leave your review with us wherever you listen. And then all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them because we're an education company. If you listen to this program a second time, what you'll grasp will be quantum and you could discuss it with friends, family, and business associates and you're, you'll find out you're, you're working and living with idiots. Anyway, you'll have a good time. And if you have a question, you want to ask a question, um, use hashtag ask rich dad on social media. Yeah. Then we can analyze what people really want to know. Yes that we talk about here. So I want to thank Nomi Prince. Her book is Collusion. Like I said, I, I spent 10 cold days in Alaska reading that book. I couldn't put it down because she writes it so clearly. She's obviously a very smart person, highly educated, but experienced. And she made it simple, especially for those living in, you know, she talks about Mexico, what's going on there, Japan, China, Europe. And it's a very comprehensive book. So, you know, Rich Dad is heard and seen all over the world. And her book, Collusion, is important because the biggest problem are central banks. Remember, central banks, the same as central planning. It's communism. That's the big difference here. I'm not a communist. I'm not against communism. But central banks is one or two people telling the world what to do, especially with your money. And she worked for Goldman. And Goldman Sachs runs most of the 
institutions around the world. And, and her mission really right now is, is to educate people about what's going on with the central banks, what's going on with the economy. And her website is Nomi Prins, N-O-M-I-P-R-I-N-S.com, nomiprins.com. So you can go there for more information. So one of the things which we'll talk about what can you do if they're printing money, well, as she said it earlier, you know, make good use of it. And uh, with interest rates dropping, they're now going, you know, in Sweden and Japan, they're now sub-zero. I don't know how they can do that, but that's killing a lot of institutions. But what it does is really destroys a, a millennial generation because they can't get credit because they don't have enough track record. They don't make enough money. So they borrow money on credit cards at high interest rates. So that's how it's, it's screwing everybody, especially the young people. It's really disgusting. But one of the things, like when Kim and I were just in Hungary, his name was Sandor, he's a great guy. He spoke English fluently. And um, he said one a couple of things. I know we're going communist right now. You know, you, you look at AOC and what's her name, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie. They're all communists. They're basically, I'm not, I'm not against communists. I just don't want to be one. <laughs> well, you know I mean? you, but anyway, we're about, we're about people taking care of themselves financially, yeah, not depending on the government to give me a, a print more money and just give me money, give me money, give me money. And people get upset, you know, as the Republicans, I'll tell you what, if Trump was a Democrat, I still vote for him given the field of people running against him. You know, there's nobody running against Trump. I would personally vote for. And I'm not Republican or Democrat because as no man says, it doesn't make any difference because the central banks run the show anyway. And my concern is, you know, Donald and I have written two books together. I, we could, Kim and I consider him a friend and he might be the skipper of the Titanic. If you know what I mean? Is that R R Ronald Reagan got the credit for the big boom in the economy and whoever's last is going to get blamed for the sinking of the economy. And, and we have never even touched on the fact that, you know, all these cities that are going bankrupt in, in all throughout the U.S. and throughout the world, and their solution always is to just tax, 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 tax the middle class. So that's another another ding that's coming. It, they're just going to keep taking more of your money. So all you communists out there, what this guy Sandor said to us, which was really important, he said he hated to, he was, he was fortunate because he could travel outside the country given it was communist when Hungary was communist. But he says he always come home, he was depressed. It was so, so depressing. So he says, today I love coming home. You know, capitalism is flourishing. We all have opportunities to make money. They have no pensions, but other than that, they're doing a lot of things. So other than buying some silver right now, because if silver goes up, don't buy it. But right now it's cheap. But what Sandor did, because they had no loans, he just worked hard and he, he took two houses and he married them together, right, Kim? Yeah, he took his house and then he, and he took another house. He put them together. It's kind, so of, it's kind, it's kind of a hatchet it's, job. Yeah, but it looks it, pretty it good. It looks you kind know? of self-done. But now what he's done is he's taken his little two-bedroom house and turned it into like a five-bedroom house. And he rents out. He put a kitchen and a bathroom in each of the bedrooms, and now he rents them out. He's got three tenants. He tells us all the stories about his tenants, but he's basically um, financially well, pretty set. Because yeah. he, he had the initiative to do this. And so he's about my age and he's got all of these tenants, you know, and then his mother moved in with him. So yeah, that now, was a problem. That was a problem. So now he, he has to give up his lost, bedroom for lost, his mother. And he lost that tenant. So he put a ding in his, in his revenue. But he's, a, he's <laughs> such a cute old guy, you know, he's not a grumpy old man. He's a cute old guy. He just sits there and he rents out these little closets with a bedroom, with a toilet and a hot plate in it. And they're happy as Larry. They're paying him rent. So he's a landlord, right? Yep. And that's his, that's his uh, financial plan. He's and it's doing a great. retirement plan. Yep. 
And so his wife left and went to live in Indianapolis and said, you can stay here with your mother. <laughs> That's another story. That's another story. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, you know, stop trusting the banks and the governments. Use your little head, use your noodle, as they say. And you can always do something to protect yourself from the insanity running the world, which is the central banks, which Nomi Prince writes about in her book, Collusion. Thank you for listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show. And so while we're on the subject of Hungary, Kim and I were in Budapest. If you get to Budapest, my God, that's a gorgeous city. It is such a gorgeous city. And while we were there, Kim had the pleasure of meeting with the cash flow clubs of Hungary, right? Yes. So the cash flow clubs are actually fulfilling the mission of the Rich Dad Company. They're out on the front line. They're teaching the game. They're teaching the Rich Dad principles. And when we were in Hungary, this couple uh, approached me and it, it, her name is Rita and Arpad. And they are a couple and they have a cash flow club in Hungary of 8,000 members. And they are avid supporters of financial education. They're out there teaching every weekend. Um, they're doing great, great work. And uh, number one, I want to say thank you to, to Rita and Arpad. So I really want to reach out to all the cash flow clubs all over the world. Come to richdad.com, register your club so that we can start communicating with you and teaching and learning together. And I'm working to get over the Christmas holidays to come up with a whole nother YouTube program, especially and only for cash flow clubs. We're going to bring you our teachers, the teachers that teach Kim and I, so that you'll have the same education that Kim and I have because money is the same all over the world. Rich are getting richer, the poor middle class are getting screwed. Well, that's why we have cash flow clubs and we're going to come up with little YouTube videos to explain to you how we really, how the rich really do invest. Thank you all the guys in Hungary. Thank you very much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.